You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello, this is Ralph Lombardo with Avadam Health. You are listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Pharmacy Podcast Nation. This is the founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, Todd Yuri, and I am thrilled today bringing back a third-time guest to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. The one and only Dr. Jeffrey Feudin is joining us today. He was with us last time when he was talking about opioid prescribing guidelines. We really appreciated um, his insights. Before that, he actually was on talking about the pharmacy impact on the opioid epidemic. Today is a very special opportunity bringing bringing Dr. Feudin back to the Pharmacy Podcast Network because we have another guest with us that I want to introduce before we get going. Mr. Ralph Lombardo is with Avadam Health, and Avadam Health is the founders, developers, distributors of TheraWorks Relief, which has been a tremendous supporter of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Something very special to me, the, if the Pharmacy Podcast Network listeners don't realize, I work for a large addiction recovery organization throughout the country in 22 states with 80 different treatment centers called New Season, and I am tasked with finding funding for patients who can't afford their treatment, and I am excited to be able to bring um, a a myriad of topics to the Pharmacy Podcast Network surrounding the opioid epidemic and how pharmacy is going to help this crisis as we move forward. So, Dr. Feudin, welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Ralph, it's your first time on the show, and welcome. Thank you so much. It's an exciting opportunity for us to be a part of such a great uh, asset in the in the uh, pharmacy community. Thank you, Ralph. And just to start out, Ralph, just give us a little background on yourself, a little bit about Avadam uh, Health, and then we have lots of questions. Sure. Uh, I am a dietitian by trade and in the <clears throat> 80s uh, became involved in the pharmaceutical industry uh, spent a good amount of time with Wyeth Laboratories and then uh, became an employee of Purdue Pharma. Was uh, Spent the majority of my career there. And in 2009, I left Purdue Pharma to join Avadam Health, a life sciences company that is dedicated uh, to uh, research and find and create innovations for infectious disease, neuromuscular health, and, and wounds. And uh, very excited to be a part of the Pharmacy Podcast. Dr. Feudin, just in case the listeners haven't heard your other two um, appearances on the Pharmacy Podcast, let's give a little background in you as the founder of paindoctor.com. That's paindr.com. And uh, just a little bit about uh, your background, too, Dr. Fiona. Sure. I guess I'll start with uh, the uh, paindr.com website. Um, I developed that site, started to develop it, I'm going to say probably 17 years ago or so, a long time ago. Um, And the site has a lot of information 
um, uh, uh, quick references for pharmacists, medical providers, and also for patients uh, on it. Um, thousands and thousands of downloads uh, by pharmacists uh, of the various uh, reference materials. I have a very, very active blog on there, which is it's actually uncanny. Some of, the, some of the blog responses have developed into sort of communities amongst uh, patients and providers. Some of the posts have over a thousand comments on them. Um, so uh, I, I spend a considerable amount of time on that. I also have a company called Remitigate, uh, and that's a software development company that focuses on opioid safety. So we have, uh, we have one um, uh, platform that predicts risk of opioid-induced respiratory depression over the next six months based on a uh, uh, number of uh, attributes of the patient, uh, various disease states, uh, Basically, you check these things off, and it, and it develops a progress note. Um, we also have uh, something called Urintel, which helps clinicians, uh, including pharmacists, to interpret urine screens correctly um, that are done by immunoassay. Um, I do have a clinic in a federal uh, VA facility uh, where I do see I do direct patient care and oversee a residency program. Um, and then in my spare time. I do a lot of expert witness work, which is, is uh, unbelievable how, how it has increased with this, um, you know, the issues uh, around opioids, opiate prescribing, uh, and some of the risks. So I'm kind of a busy guy, uh, but I, I do enjoy the, um, uh, the space that I'm practicing in. And for me, it's, you know, a lot of people have sort of uh, typecast me into the opioid world, but I, I do... <laughs> I, I do go outside of opioids. You know, we, we get involved a lot with um, alternative therapies, um, uh, monitoring pharmacogenetics, uh, and, and offering uh, medications other than opioids uh, and or in addition to opioids. So uh, that's a bit of my background. It's interesting how you, you don't necessarily want to be, quote unquote, typecast into one sector of healthcare, but this time in what's happening to the nation, your expertise, Dr. Feudin, is is so much needed. So I'm I'm sure that's very much part of the reason of, of your demand to to go speak at, at different places on the epidemic and how pharmacy can have an impact to it. But just general information and um and factual information, even from a clinical perspective, is so important at this point. Um that's that turns to my first question really for Ralph and that is you know as a business guy someone who is supporting um, the ability to expand your services and some of the education that you guys sponsor tell us a little bit from your perspective in in of Adam Health's perspective uh, your views and initiatives and strategy surrounding the opioid epidemic well you know we have a proprietary um, methodology uh, that we employ before we ever bring a technology to market. And it's enveloped in the name TheraWorks. And when, for us, we identify therapeutic interventional gaps in the marketplace. And that's what the Thera of the TheraWorks stands for uh, through a, an exhaustive process. And then we conduct high-quality 
evidence-based research with academic teaching institutional partners to demonstrate that the products work. And we, we uncovered a significant gap in care in the marketplace amongst Americans that suffer with nocturnal cramps and spasms and patients that suffer with symptoms associated with restless leg, and in particular, patients that are demonstrating refractory response to dopaminergic medications. The numbers are staggering, and we, we believe that many of these patients are, uh, the, are the unheard sufferer. 29 million Americans suffer daily, daily, with nocturnal cramps and spasms, according to the American Family Physician publication, uh, August 2012. So the number's probably even larger now. And 24 million Americans, according to the National Sleep Foundation, one in 10 adults suffer with symptoms associated with restless leg syndrome. And when you think about such significant demographics and we only have one class of medication for the restless leg sufferer that's been approved for that condition, uh, the dopaminergic class of medications, we thought and saw there was the need to do research for topical, non-centrally acting agents. Uh, and we did exhaustive research and studies in the nocturnal cramp and spasm sufferer. Uh, as the pharmacists listening will will know and recognize, you know, Qualiquin, which was indicated for the treatment of malaria, the FDA, you know, initiated a REMS uh, because of you know hematologic you know death, and and so these patients are left to eating more bananas making sure they drink tonic water and hydration. And so we have come to the market with the approach of using locally acting, non-centrally acting technology to reduce the symptoms associated, you know, with these conditions. Dr. Feudin, with your specialization on pain, you're seeing it firsthand and before this really became an epidemic per se in, in opioid overprescribing and 70,000 drug overdoses and more finding out through data from the Center of Disease and Control Prevention, the 2017 metrics have just been updated. Um, pain is something that humans must deal with and different variances from scales, I guess, from one to 10. And much of it can be controlled probably by stretching and eating right. And however, there's always a time that you're going to need something else, maybe a, an Advil, maybe something, you know, a little bit stronger, depending on what your physician and pharmacist are, are directing you towards. But what, what kind of tools are you reaching out to and, and should other medical professionals being reached out to that is non-opioid and what have you seen in your consultations with patients with regards to pain? 
Okay, so um, a lot of questions there. Uh, I'm going to start um, by clarifying one of the statements that you made because I think it's really important. Uh, you mentioned the opioid epidemic and in the same sentence talked about 70,000 deaths. And so um, I, I just want to point out that that, you know, that number is often quoted and often quoted in the same sentence. And I know that you know what that number means, but just for the listeners, I want to make it clear that 70,000 deaths includes all drugs, not just opioids. And so when that quote, you sometimes hear 64,000 or 70,000, um, it involves anticoagulants, antidepressants, um, skeletal muscle relaxants, uh, all sorts of drugs, including benzodiazepines and opioids. Um, so I just want to clarify that. Um, I, I, obviously, you know, we see a lot of um, issues with pain, and, and um, usually it's more than one pain in the patients that I see, so it's not just like chronic back pain or muscle spasms or cramping, um, reticular pain or neuropathic pain. It's usually a combination. And so, um, you know, when, when you ask about some of the non-opioids, um, we do use non-opioids first. Um, most of the patients that refer to our clinic are already on, on opioids, but they're not well on opioids. But I, I will say this. I think that um, particularly when we're talking about muscle cramping, we have to remember that, that most of the drugs that are used for muscle cramping can cause significant sedation. And while most of them, not all of them, but most of them really have, have no a contribution to respiratory depression per se as single agents. When you start combining them with opioids, that's where we see problems. And, you know, we hear a lot about, um, you know, the dangers of combining benzodiazepines with opioids and the increased risk of uh, opioid-induced respiratory depression and possible uh, death. Uh, but what we don't hear a lot about is combining other sedative hypnotics with opioids and how that can increase the risk. And just for an example, something I think is very common that pharmacists see all the time is a prescription for amitriptyline, even low-dose amitriptyline, let's say at bedtime, uh, for, for maybe depression and sleep. And then you may also see a prescription for, for Flexerel or Cyclobenzaprine. The truth is that both of these drugs are tricyclics. Um, they, they chemically are identical. The only difference is uh, is a single, uh, uh, a single, an extra single uh, bond in the middle ring um, of, of, the, of the triple ring. It's the only difference. And so when you start combining things like cyclobenzaprine and amitriptyline, which are essentially the same drug, and then you add things on like tizanidine and gabapentin, um, and, and who knows what else, that's where we really start to see problems. You know, um, I think that um, skeletal muscle relaxants in general uh, – are, may not be great when you, when you consider the, the risks of some of these drugs versus the benefits. I mean, they're marginally effective. I, I actually did a, uh, wrote a comprehensive article, a review article on skeletal muscle reactions uh, earlier this year. Um, and we outlined uh, pretty much all of them. And, you know, when you think like carisoprodol is a disaster or soma, absolute disaster because it gets metabolized to methylbenzene, which, which was like a precursor to the barbiturates. It is very, very toxic and addicting. So, um, you know, I think that if we're talking about skeletal muscle relaxants, you know, they, they can be pretty, pretty toxic. 
Uh, you mentioned ibuprofen. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the anti-inflammatories may be okay for, for muscle cramping, uh, but generally they're not that great unless the muscle cramping is a result of connective tissue uh, disorder, a lot of inflammation that's, that's secondarily causing, causing the cramping. Um, but for, for muscle cramping in general, uh, NSAIDs and acetaminophen really don't work that well. If I may add something to Dr. Feudin's uh, comments, we, um, we work extensively uh, with the long-term care community. And Dr. Feudin, I'm sure you're familiar with the beers list of medications. Oh, yeah. Seniors over the age of 65, all of the muscle relaxants, methocarbamol, uh, the, the cyclobenzaprines are listed even the antineuroleptics like pregabal and gabapentin are listed as either avoid or high-risk medications in seniors. And I think it's uh, the reasons are, as you've outlined, uh, concomitant use with other centrally acting cognitive impairing agents increase the risk of injury. And, and primarily, these should be used uh, very sparingly. It's one of the reasons that we're looking for topical non-systemic solutions so that we can spare the need or maybe limit the dose requirements for patients that have, you know, significant disease. Uh, and uh, so uh, we see a great opportunity uh, to spare, you know, the exposure risks for seniors. So, Ralph, I'm, I'm – thrilled that you brought this whole issue with the Beers criteria because in particular, uh, things like amitriptyline and uh, cyclobenzaprine, they are disasters in elderly patients and they're listed on the Beers criteria, but I think that those particular drugs are even worse compared to things like methocarbamol. Uh, you, you mentioned the gabapentinoids. The gabapentinoids are listed on the Beers criteria, not so much because of sedation, but more because of confusion and risk of falls. Whereas the other drugs, the cyclobenzaprine, the, the amitriptyline, and the tricyclics in general are very, very anticholinergic. And the anticholinergic activity, of course, causes sedation, uh, risk of falls, um, achlorhydria, which elderly people have to begin with, um, and, and also increased risk of constipation and dry eyes uh, and urinary retention all problems that, that these patients have. So I feel like, you know, the TCAs and psychobenzaprine are a disaster, especially in the, in the patients we're talking about. Yes, sir. I, we're, you know, we're in a significant, uh, what I would call final stage discussions with the larger close provider pharmacy organizations uh, where, you know, pharmacy consultation can open up the opportunities for increased education. You know, Centers for Medicare Services implemented a new quality measure and standard uh, for homes that have <clears throat> patients on more than two centrally acting agents where risks of falls and injury occur. So we're working very closely. Uh, you know, if we can spare some of the need for these medications, we may spare the risks of falls and improve outcomes for our seniors. Right, right. And, and you know, you brought the CMS guidelines. 
So you're probably aware that as of uh, January 2019, just a few days from, from this interview, um, that uh, they're going to implement these new guidelines, which are going to require soft and hard edits uh, by the pharmacist to work collaboratively with prescribing clinicians. So if the patient is on uh, up to 90 milligrams of morphine equivalent, um, the pharmacist needs to contact uh, contact the, uh, the provider uh, to, to make sure that it's justified. And when the patient, so this is like if they're on 90 milligrams or more, but when they get to 200 milligrams, there's a hard edit. The pharmacist cannot fill the prescription um, until, they, until they contact the provider um, and, and get uh, justification that it's warranted. So that's going to be a lot of phone calls between pharmacist and provider for sure. Yes. You know, we see, we get caught in the middle uh, oftentimes uh, with discussions regarding chemical restraints, especially when seniors have nighttime or nocturnal events. And so we, we, we see this as uh, a real challenge for the healthcare industry to provide solutions that perhaps aren't prescriptive that have a significantly broader therapeutic, you know, safety threshold. And it's a real challenge to the industry. What can we do to improve and lower the risks, you know, for these seniors and community dwelling seniors, not just institutional seniors, but community dwelling seniors that are still, you know, trying to drive active lives. Dr. Feudin and Ralph, let's, uh, take a short break and listen to a message from our sponsor, uh, TheraWorks Relief, and we'll be back in one second. If you or your patients struggle with muscle cramps, spasms, soreness, or restless leg syndrome, you're going to want to hear about our non-opioid TheraWorks Relief. TheraWorks Relief is a clinically proven and published locally acting topical solution that prevents and relieves muscle cramps, spasms, and soreness in the legs and feet. In a research study including patients diagnosed with restless leg syndrome, TheraWorks Relief was shown to reduce symptoms commonly associated with accompanying RLS, including muscle cramps and spasms. Muscle cramps are reported as a side effect of hundreds of prescription medications, from intravenous iron sucrose and conjugated estrogens to statins and diuretics. By managing muscle cramps, TheraWorks Relief supports adherence, helping patients stay on important and often life-saving medications. TheraWorks Relief comes in an easy-to-use, fast-absorbing, non-greasy foam that can prevent muscle cramps and spasms with just a few simple applications a day. To learn more about TheraWorks Relief, go to theraworksrelief.com and click on the Healthcare Professional link. Hey, welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. I'm excited to have Dr. Feudin and Ralph Lombardo on the podcast with us today. It's, a, it's part one of a part three series on um, a myriad of different topics under the guise of pain management and the type of tools that are out there for consultant type pharmacist, which is a growing uh, field of pharmacy, which I'm excited to see grow. We're talking today uh, with Dr. Feudin. I was listening to both of you talk earlier in the interview, and I always think of innovation and how pharmacists are gaining uh, much from data and how data is really teaching pharmacists to make uh, assessments in consultation 
in senior care pharmacy and specialty pharmacy, depending on the disease state. Dr. Feudin, what kind of data could you get from an organization like Avadam Health that could help you um, assess a macro population per se, or actually dig down into specific cases that you're uh, currently consulting on? Uh, that's a great question. I think that um, it would be nice to see um, with their with their uh, their product for muscle cramps uh, how it has diminished the use of prescription opioids or even non-prescription not not, not prescription opioids but prescription medications in general could be opioids. But um, I'd be interested to know uh, how their product. Uh, has impacted on the reduction of prescription for skeletal muscle relaxants. That'd be very important. I think that we could extrapolate some of that data to look at adverse outcomes, uh, risk of falls, um, sedation, and risk of uh, uh, various uh, adverse events, uh, adverse drug reactions, and that sort of thing. So, if we could if we could get some of that data, that would be phenomenal. Ralph, what? type of uh, partnership build-outs and things do you think Avadam Health might be interested in doing? And what kind of data have you guys already gleaned uh, from the uh, TheraWorks Relief product? Well, thank you uh, so much for the question. We, we've done numerous studies. Uh, we, we did a study with the University of South Carolina uh, in athletes uh, initially and showed a, a substantive response in athletes who crossed their cramp threshold. Uh, and we were able to not only mitigate the acute episode, but then prevent the rebound episodes uh, where even electrolyte and fluid replacement at rate of loss were shown to not prevent the rebound episode in a cramp-prone athlete. In our studies... Uh, in Restless Leg, we partnered with three professors of medicine at Brown University and were able to identify patients who were refractory to dopaminergic medication uh, who were experiencing dose-limiting adverse events. And, and, I mean, some serious adverse events, including syncope, I mean, where the addition of our topical muscle relaxant reduced the incidence and severity of symptoms over 50%. And I can imagine physicians are looking for solutions and when experiencing, when the patient is experiencing severe adverse reaction, they can't titrate the medication. And so they add on, which can lead to what Dr. Feudin was speaking of earlier, where you have drug to drug, you know, potentiated, uh, what I would call potentiated adverse response. And so uh, we've done uh, pretty exhaustive work in patients that are chronic sufferers and a little in acute, in the acute setting uh, with athletes uh, where we could control the delivery of our technology and then the measurement. Uh, and so uh, we would be very interested in partnering uh, in the pain community where many times or oftentimes muscle relaxants may be the first prescriptive medication the patients receive because of the, uh, you know, the desire to 
prevent crossing the narcotic bridge. As we all know, once we cross that bridge, many times it's very difficult to come back. So Ralph, um, I got yeah. a question for you. Um, yes, is there, um, with regard to uh, TheraWorks, is there any systemic absorption of any of the ingredients in the formulation? A great question. Uh, to date, we have not seen any systemic uh, adverse, you know, related uh, side effects. We do get local side effects. I know every once in a while, uh, we'll, we'll get a report of, you know, skin reaction. We, uh, about 40,000 patient, new patients per week are being introduced to TheraWorks Relief as we speak, and we typically get one to two, one to two reports per week. We have a very exhaustive pharmacovigilance you know, uh, program, and we get about one to two uh, adverse event reports per week, mostly local and skin. And so, uh, you know, we've done uh, randomized controlled crossover design studies to measure some of the mechanisms of action and um, versus placebo, and we do not see evidence of systemic effects. Okay, so let me let me rephrase the question. So, um, I understand that you haven't seen adverse reactions as a presumed result of systemic effects, but the question's a little bit different. Have you actually measured systemic blood levels of any of the ingredients? within the product, for example, magnesium, sulfur, grapefruit, anything like that? We haven't measured uh, blood, but we have measured deep tissue response uh, in a crossover design, you know, uh, yeah. and not see any, any evidence that the product is being absorbed and causing uh, activity in other parts of the body. Okay, so the reason I asked that question is for the benefit of the pharmacists that are listening, because I don't want them to misunderstand or misinterpret. Sure. So, um, uh, as you may or may not know, um, grapefruit uh, is a very, very potent inhibitor of cytochrome 3A4 enzymes, right? And so there are a number of drugs that undergo metabolism by that enzyme, uh, and one of the most common drugs in the pain space, or I should say two of the most common drugs in the pain space, are hydrocodone uh, and oxycodone, and also, of course, methadone. So if you were to inhibit the enzymes, the serum levels of those, the active components of those drugs would increase. What I'm hearing from you is that there's no reason to believe that grapefruit extract is absorbed systemically, and if that were the case, then there would not be an issue with drug interactions between uh, the drugs I just mentioned or other drugs that undergo CYP3A4 metabolism. That's probably the single most common question that we receive from patients. And of course, without you know doing the exhaustive systemic assays, we we refer them you know back to their healthcare professional. Sure. Yeah. We don't have any reason to believe that topical application of our citrus ingredient leads to substantive systemic accumulation. Uh, but you know, we don't have the the reverse of that it, it, you know information as well. Okay. Great. 
Ralph, when I heard you mention athletics, I can't help but to think of my godson, Jelani Stafford, who's a senior in high school who has been recruited by Youngstown State University, uh, the Fighting Penguins. He's going to accept a full scholarship from them as defensive tackle, which is quite exciting. And um, I... I think of seeing, I think of these children, I think of these kids that are in athletics and some of the more simple man, um, abilities to manage pain and, and what they're subjected to early in life, which turns out to be uh, something that they don't learn to deal with and manage more from a natural perspective before getting into some more of the serious effects and impacts of uh, more harsh um, ways of dealing with pain, including um, you know, the use of, of powerful medications like an opioid. But uh, Dr. Feudin, what's your, what's your touch with the athletics world and, and have you consulted with um, any uh, collegiate athletes out there? So um, I often um, am contacted uh, by uh, physiatrists, uh, people who are, who are dealing with some of these athletes, uh, for an opinion on how to best approach it, especially because, as you said, you want to limit the use of, of opioids. And, and I can tell you that uh, for things like sprains, strains, and contusions, whether it's high school, college, or professional, um, we would always prefer topical agents. So, um, for example, uh, topical diclofenac is often very, very helpful for sprains, strains, and contusions. So topical NSAIDs can be very useful um, for athletes, uh, for anybody actually, uh, particularly with uh, sprains, strains, and contusions. And we, we really do like to use uh, the topicals uh, when, when we can. Now, most young athletes can tolerate uh, oral NSAIDs just fine. Um, but, but the truth is that, that um, these topicals work really uh, phenomenally well. And so uh, I feel that, uh, you know, if, if we can, if we can um, give a topical product, uh, we, we are far better off because the, the toxicity is much less. And in fact, you know, it, it just, it, it drives me nuts that if you look in the, in the package, the professional package insert for the topical NSAIDs, the FDA requires all of the um, pharmaceutical companies uh, to include the standard templated warning for NSAIDs, GI bleed, cardiac risk, uh, kidney risk, and all that sort of stuff, which is really absurd because if you look at the blood levels that you achieve uh, from topical NSAIDs uh, compared to oral, uh, in some cases, in most cases, it's far less than, uh, than, uh, than one, usually, you know, zero point or zero point zero point something, you know, so very, very low systemic absorption uh, compared to oral. So, for example, oral diclofenac, I mean, you, you could get a, uh, a serum level of, of over 100 nanograms per mil in therapeutic doses, whereas if, if you look at, let's say, topical, um, topical diclofenac, you're talking about uh, less than 10 uh, nanograms per mil. And then when you consider that 97% is plasma protein bound anyway, the only active amount is that which is not bound to plasma protein. So there's almost no exposure uh, by topical NSAIDs, including the topical um, NSAID or steroid eye drops. So, um, I mean, I'm a huge advocate of using topicals in, the, in, these, uh, in these athletes, Todd. And, and uh, not that we shouldn't or couldn't 
use oral agents, but I think that we really need to maximize uh, the the, um, the topical products either first or in addition to, to uh, oral non-opioids before we move on to opioids. Dr. Fudin, I have a question regarding <clears throat> Uh, the use of topical technologies first. Is there any evidence uh, that leans toward reinforcing topical practices versus oral uh, plays out more favorably, like behaviorally? Oh, well, that, that, that's a great question. I mean, there, there are, I mean, I'm aware of some general stuff that just, you know, just the, just the action, forget about the drug, just the action of rubbing um, some kind of uh, solution, gel, or some kind of tablet product in the area, that action alone has therapeutic benefit um, for, for, for various reasons. So there are studies that look at that. Um, there are a number of studies that look at, at, at topicals uh, versus oral, particularly uh, in, in elderly patients. Uh, with athletes, um, there are specific studies I'm aware of that have looked at um, the topical NSAIDs for sprain strains and, and, and contusions. Um, and there's also uh, studies, they're not, they're not all, you know, hunky-dory. There are also studies that have shown athletes that have overused things like methosalicylate. Um, for example, there's been, there's been deaths associated with um, basically lopping on tons and tons of methosalicylate and then having athletes wrapped them in cellophane and going to sleep and never waking up because of salicylate toxicity. Jeez. Well, I mean, you know, we need to look at the good, bad, and ugly, I think. But generally speaking, uh, the studies basically show that, that uh, topicals can work very, very well. We, we have developed a topical anti-inflammatory technology, and we're currently doing uh, work with UPMC, you know, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, uh, University of Georgia and Baylor, uh, and we have a dual modality uh, methodology where we're impregnating medical grade compression. We're studying this in arthritis, uh, in uh, arthritic uh, thumbs and knees, and partly because uh, we've identified a, a pretty substantial gap in in this demographic, um, according to um, the, uh, the the Journal of Kidney Disease, thirty nine more than thirty nine percent of Americans aged sixty and above have either chronic kidney disease or significantly reduced renal function, and then there are another two million. Americans taking anticoagulant therapy, which both of which do not bode well for oral NSAID therapy. And so, you know, using mechanical compression, using, as you're suggesting, topical anti-inflammatory regimens, uh, you know, can really, um, you know, support this demographic that otherwise may not have an option other than going down the road of opiate therapy. Yeah. Gentlemen, gentlemen, this topic and discussion has been absolutely uh, interesting. Sitting back here um, with my popcorn, listening to you both talk, I could listen to you for another hour, but 
Um, our listeners are probably either done with their workout or almost on their way to work <laughs> in our 30 minute time slot. So we're going to have to have Dr. Feudin back. Um, you, you have our support. I hear there's some other projects coming up that we're going to be talking about. So pharmacy podcast nation, um, you know, you'll look out for more from, uh, Dr. Feudin. If you want to look him up, please do so. You can find him at paindr.com. That's paindoctor.com. Ralph Lombardo, thank you so much for uh, sponsoring this series and the commitment of, of Adam Health and um, what you've done to bring this messaging and in, in education to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Uh, we're having you back on part two of the three-part series uh, uh, sponsored by Avadam Health. So we'll be hearing from you soon, sir. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Foodin. It's been a pleasure to be a part of the network. And thank you both, uh, uh, Todd and Ralph. It's, it's always great to be on the show. You guys are very welcome and welcome back at any time. You were listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network, the Pharmacy Podcast Nation, sponsored by Avadam Health, a uh, three-part series coming up. You can stay tuned more and As always, thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.